Okay, I'm interviewing Manang Slugo Rigor, who's the executive director of the International Drop-In Center of Seattle. Slugo, thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, it's my turn to say thank you, Sean. And I'd like to find out a little bit more for the public out there, since we're doing a public service announcement. If you could fill me in a little bit more about what IDIC's key role is here in the Puget Sound region. Well, every 10 years in this uh, great benevolent land, uh, the federal government uh, embarks on what is known as census count. They have to count in every state the number of people, regardless of their uh, status or citizenship, because the census every 10 years will determine how Washington State is going to be represented, the representatives uh, in a given district, there is a threshold. They count them and they need representation with federal government and the Congress and the Senate and all that. But the most important is not that portion, but the apportionment of budgets. Oh, yeah, definitely. If the federal government sees that you hit a certain number of population count, then uh, the state of Washington gets anywhere from $697 billion a year on the average, but we have to be very, very certain that the figures counted represent what is the truth. So we feel that many are um, undercounted, underrepresented, underrepresented, yeah. underfunded. Because Filipinos, by uh, their cultural ethnicity, come from a country that is an archipelago. They are, if you compare Filipinos to Koreans, or the Vietnamese, or the Japanese, or the Chinese, they are a distinctly and unique ethnic group from Asia. Why do I say this? Because... Vietnamese come from one big massive land with one language. Mm. Koreans, one big massive land, one language. Vietnamese and all down the line. Filipinos come from a country that's fragmented geographically into 7,100 islands with 200 dialects. Oh my. Okay? <laughs> As a blast count. Now, project this into the situation where we do some counting when they are transplanted into another country. Not only the United States, but all over the, Philipp the, the world, Filipinos are the most exported population. Why? Because they speak good English. On the average... They're and they're hardworking. Well... They're very hardworking. Hardworking, they're friendly, they're warm, they're, and they become invisible in that process. Why do I say invisible? Because when they come to the U.S., for instance, in the Pacific Northwest, they are the most employable. They speak good English, they have good education, so the employers would rather have a Filipino because they will not need to be trained as you would... In a high maintenance. Yeah. Yes. And that's an important thing, you know, when you think about IDIC as being a bridge between the United States and the Philippines and the history that the United States has militarily in protecting the Philippines. Uh, it only serves everybody's best interest that we do what we can to help each other. And 
I think of after World War II, the promises made to our, our veterans on both sides by our government that haven't been kept, especially um, the length of time it takes for Filipinos to apply for citizenship and be able to bring their families here. And I think IDIC serves in a key function in being a center to help them in that transition. Um, I can't imagine what it would be like to transplant myself from America to another country, not know the language. Uh, I speak fluent German, and I can imagine even if I moved to Germany to live with relatives, it would be pretty tough to start out and to make it. I know that your center works to serve as many of those people as possible and their extended families, as well as the Vietnamese, the Samoans, the Hmong. I've seen them here when I've come to visit. And those uh, languages are something that are not easy to learn for Americans. It takes time unless a person's lived there or worked there. For your center to be available to serve that specific group or get them help with counseling, uh, immigration, speed up the process of dealing with the consulate, all those things are key factors and important in trying to help them make it. Right. Well, the uh, target population uh, for IDIC has always been very specific. The unique population of uh, aging and elderly first-generation uh, Filipino immigrants and families. We find out through the years and by survey and research that 7 out of 10 Filipinos who gravitate towards the Pacific Northwest come from rural Philippines, mm. in other words, provincial variety. The only time they step on an urban or city uh, environment is when they're ready to board the plane bringing them to the U.S. You can imagine the tremendous cultural uh, shock and pressure they go through before they are uh, assimilated into the uh, new environment. So that is what IDIC steps into the uh, picture for. And we were able to explain to local funders and foundations and grant givers that indeed there is this invisible population Mm -hmm. that is hardly known. Neither do they realize that there are, in any ethnic community, I'm sure you understand this, Sean, that there are two kinds of Filipinos or Vietnamese or Koreans. There is always the certainty of the born here, born there oh, yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. See? That you happened with my grandfather being an Italian. Correct. Yep. And they put him in a in a corner in the classroom with a dunce cap on his head and said, until you learn English, you have to wear this dunce cap. That was back in the 20s, here in, in Black Diamond, Washington. And I, uh, I know that the people that you serve uh, are grateful. Uh, I know the Filipinos that I've met work two, three jobs. It's, they're not high-maintenance people. They're, they don't become a burden to the U.S. government. Yes. And they'll work any job. And I'm always impressed by that. I know that after the Vietnam War, the Filipinos welcomed the Vietnamese refugees into their country with open arms. And then after the hurricane that hit in 2014 in Tacloban in the Philippines, there were a lot of Vietnamese in Seattle that donated to the survivors of that hurricane. Correct. And that, that's, they haven't forgotten. And I think that's wonderful. Uh, when you think about the, the population you serve, the accurate numbers and counts of even the food bank services that you guys provide, you know, the government needs to know, gee, how much government cheese do we need to give them or, or pork or 
other products that are you know through the USDA and even though there's a different diet you know rice being a big part of the diet it's important for the government to know and if if you guys can fill the void of serving the Filipino community with radio I know that you had mentioned years ago that most Filipinos uh, carry a radio a transistor radio when they're on their carabaos which is kind of like a big farming cow and radio reaches past the cities into the provinces Radio is small enough to take with, but now we have these little podcasting tools on our cell phones. You can reach a larger population much easier for fewer dollars. And I think that if we could get something going here in Seattle that would better serve them, that would be ideal. Not everybody can afford the Philippine Channel, which right. is on cable television, pay 80 to 100 bucks a month. But with radio, they can turn it on and listen for a few cents a day, if, if that. Well, um, having been in media almost uh, more than half of my life, Sean, uh, back in the Philippines and here, I have observed that, you know, uh, the medium to really be effective in grabbing hearts and minds of Filipinos who are transplanted is the medium of broadcast. Why? You're washing the dishes, you're driving the delivery van, you're mowing the lawn, you're doing carpentry work, but your ears are peeled to your people's music, to your dialect, and to messages meant only for you. Now, that does not happen in television or print where you have to sit down and concentrate, focus your attention there. So it occupies you here. I, when I was doing radio work, Sundays at noontime, and Sundays in this blessed land are football days. Mm. But you know what the uh, families do when they gather together as a tradition? Their TV sets are on the football, but the audio is down. Their, their radio is on listening to Slugos Filipino-American radio. <laughs> so they have... What happened to Slugos Filipino-American radio? Well, I, uh, I simply consider myself now a tired warrior. I have done that for a good 18 to almost 20 years, and I was one of those who introduced block time buying. When the Hispanics saw that, I pioneered into buying blocks of time from commercial radio stations, and they were willing to give it or sell it for a song because Sundays are non-prime hours or days on radio. Mm -hmm. They'll sell it to you for, what, a minimum of 100 bucks an hour. You know, when I've talked to some of the Filipino nurses that have come out to take care of my parents who are aging and sick, I've said to them, do you know anything about IDIC? And they say no. And it's because the, the word just hasn't gotten out there that you guys are the premier organization in the Pacific Northwest for taking care of Filipinos and their needs. I don't call it a babysitting service for them to drop mom and dad off here. This is more. You guys have bingo for these folks. you got line dancing, so they're getting up, they're moving, they're exercising. You're helping to feed them through the yeah. food bank, the nutrition program. You're providing counseling for them through Pearl's program, which is a grant counseling thing through the University of Washington, which is valuable research even for the UW and sociologists. I know you guys work with um, King County's uh, and Food Lifeline Emergency Services. Uh, United Way, and several of the local Indian tribes. That's amazing, yep. Slugo. It's well, truly amazing. 
We need to do more to get the word out there because Seattle is not only the gateway of the Northwest, it's a gateway to Asia. Correct. And there are so many Filipinos even working in Saudi Arabia, Japan, other countries that need to be connected somehow to home. Correct. And doing it as a podcast is an ideal way. They can log on 24-7. They can hear about IDIC. Your nonprofit status, if people want to donate, they can write it off on their taxes. It's good for everybody. And I think the government needs to know more. Right. So I'm really happy that I had a chance to talk to you about this today. And I'd like to be part of helping you move that forward. Thank you, Sean. So if we can just find some more donations uh, or some more sponsors, then I think we're going to be able to make it happen. Right. Right. We'd like to, uh, you know, when you say international drop-in center, there is no hint that it's Filipino at all. And we're so undermanned sometimes that we hardly have any chance to toot our own horns nor do any flag waving. But the blessings keep coming because when you do something good to your fellow men, we've known that good karma always works. Mm -hmm. And we believe in that so much. And uh, word gets around, Sean, you are one of our benefactors who've always come around to IDIC to... Uh, boost our morale and keep us on even keel. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, I'm going to blame it on the Filipinos because they've always been very approachable and very kind to me and very generous and have always invited me to their gatherings. IDIC would like to apply for some funding together with uh, the Sean Teshner radio program. We need to do some information and education dissemination. We have to educate the typical Filipino who is so busy working his tail off that to remind him that census counting is coming and they should inform their entire family that indeed they should not be afraid because there is always a built-in concern that when you see something official coming to your doorstep or knocking at your door, you get scared. Yeah. Because, uh, well, more ways than one, uh, there are many uh, reasons for getting concerned and not being. But see, when it is time for census counting, be sure you are counted. Your household must be counted. Give the names of the people in your household. Do not be afraid asserting that they are really from the Census Bureau, and then... Would you account. do me a favor? Would you uh, say that in Tagalog for me? Because we're going to make an appeal to the government here for a grant to try and build this radio re outreach, and I think we should uh, show them what, just what we can do. So, Manang, would you please uh, say what you just told me yeah. in your language, please? Ito po ang inyong kababayan si uh, Slugo Rigor dito po sa IDIC na nanawagan sa lahat ng mga kababayan nating Pilipino. Kung meron pong uh, darating sa inyong mga tahanan at nagtanong kung ilan ang tao sa inyong tahanan, mangyaring sabihin lang po ang totoo. Huwag kayong matatakot dahil yan po ang tanging paraan kung paano tayo magkakaroon ng tama at tumpak na bilang upang mabibigyan tayo ng kaukulang benepisyo at mga budget sa ating mga programa. Okay? 
Ayan uh, po, ay gagawin po natin ang lahat para kasama po natin si Sean Teichner, isang matalik na kaibigan ng mga Pilipino. And the Sean Teichner show is on Facebook, Bana. <laughs> And you're teaching me some Philippine uh, salamat po, uh, Manang. Yes, yes. That's important. I, I don't know of any classes, uh, maybe except maybe down at the YMCA, that teach Philippine language. And I think that's so important. I know you had told me Tagalog is the national language of the Philippines, even though there are other dialects such as Visayan, Bicolino, just to name a few, um, Ilocano. And it's important to know those things. The other thing I want to point out, I've observed that IDIC is transparent. You guys don't commit fraud. You're not a money laundering organization. Your books are open to the public. You file your 990s every year with the IRS. There's no monkey business going on here, folks. <laughs> if, you, if you make a donation to IDIC, it's going to go to help people. It's not going to go to fill the executive director's pocket. In fact, to give you an example, he used to have a Mercedes. He got rid of it and went to a Toyota so that he wouldn't have the appearance of somebody trying to live off of everybody else. And I, I admired that about him. I thought that was a real outward sign of just the commitment he has towards serving people. So my hat comes off to you, Manang. I hope to see you keep growing this place. Uh, it's located at 7301 Beacon Avenue South here in Seattle, 98108, inside of the Beacon United Methodist Church. For others out there who have access to the web, their website address is www.idicseniorcenter.org. And can you tell everybody the phone number, please, Lugo? It's area code 206-587-3735. You are welcome to drop by. Drop in. We are the International Drop-In Center. You are most welcome. When you come, I am sure you will not want to drop out. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Salamat po, manan. Sige po. Thank you, Sean. Okay.